Go ahead and turn your Bibles, church. Psalms 8. So for my kiddos, I don't care how old you are, open your Bible. These are some wonderful verses in Psalms 8. There's only nine of them. Pretty um, straightforward. You can grasp them no matter how old you are. So um, this is a sermon for all. God's word is sufficient for all. And we're going to pray that God is going to do something um, amazing in all this morning. So please, no matter who you are, if you don't have a Bible, there's black hardbound Bibles around you. If you don't own one, that's our gift to you. Take it home. You don't have to tell anybody. Just have that be our gift to you. But I want a Bible open. That is Psalms 8. Let's see just how big God is this morning. As Philip was saying, we had some tragedy with Santa Evans and some nephews that um, live in Texas. Is it Texas, Philip? Georgia? Um, lost one, and um, many others are hurt, so we're praying for that family. And it feels like just every Wednesday night, the prayer list is filled with cancer and sickness and brokenness and tragedy. And um, life is hard. But man, when we, when we focus our eyes and our hearts on how big God is in Psalms 8, man, it makes everything else look so small and comforted. And that's why we're here this morning to fill up our empty tanks, okay? So please follow me in just how big God is. Psalms 8, David says this, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Will you highlight verse 1 for me? O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is your name in all of the earth, David says, who have set your glory, I love this, we're coming to it, above the heavens, above the heavens. I don't know what that is, but it's above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and the nursing infants, you have ordained strength. Because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Man, I love so much. Man, it brought me to my knees countless times this week. Highlight, whatever you got to do, verse 3 and 4, I love it. When I consider your heavens, when I think about them, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? David says, when I consider all that you've done, who am I? And the son of man that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All the sheep and all the oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths, that pass through the paths of the sea. Verse 9, highlight that last one for me before we pray. O Lord, O Lord, David says, how excellent is your name in all of the earth. Let's pray for our time. God, we thank you for today. We lift up David, Santa, that family, the the members we don't know, the members we do. Lord, we pray for everyone here. Many of us are not at funerals and many of us have not lost nephews or children in the midst of this weekend, but a lot of us are struggling. Life is hard. Marriages are struggling. Minds are struggling. Children are struggling. Relationships are struggling. Our minds and our hearts and our Life is difficult. We know this to be true. But it is only difficult when we are not staring at just how glorious and big you are. 
Everything is small compared to your awesomeness. So Lord, for whoever is in here today, I pray that they remove all distractions, that they feast their eyes, their ears, their heart, their soul on your glorious word, that we leave empowered by the Spirit to continue to do your work and praise your name. In your precious name, the church says in harmony, amen. Wednesday night, um, we are in Psalms. And I was praying as I read Psalms 8, I said, we're about to go into Galatians starting next Sunday. We'll spend about two months in the book of Galatians, breaking that whole book down. We'll have some Christmas holiday messages in December. And man, we are jumping. We are sprinting in Exodus in 2022, 12 months. It's going to be awesome. We have one week And I find myself on Wednesday night and just how amazing God has been to our church and our Bible study. And I said, for all those that are on the praise team and for those that are teaching classes and for those that are not plugged in because their schedule won't allow or because they just haven't dropped an anchor yet, I wanted this Sunday to be an invitation to you about how amazing God's word has been in this book. So I said, we're gonna pour Psalms 8 We've been one through nine. We skipped eight. We're going to pour eight into Sunday morning. Now, I want you to understand where we are in Psalms. Psalms is the largest book of the Bible. It has the largest chapter in the Bible. It is a book of hymns. So I want you to remember the temple in Galatians. Do you remember God looks at Jeremiah and he says, go to the temple and tell those people, stop faking their Christianity. Stop giving God your seconds. Stop giving him your scraps. Stop playing church. Do you remember that? Well, this is the same temple that David and Solomon, and they use words from Moses and others, some unknown in this 150 chapters in Psalms, to write these musical praises to sing in that temple. So that is what we see. For the majority of Psalms where we are this morning, especially, we see written by David, the father of Solomon, and he is writing this to praise God through his personal experiences And that is the same temple and the same place that we see in Jeremiah and also Lamentations. Most people believe that Psalms was written throughout time, but most believe that it was written mostly in David's older years. So right now, when we look at 8, when he says, when I consider your heavens that go above the earth, he is older, he is king. And what we talk about often on Wednesday night is he's often troubled. I was laughing with a buddy of mine that knows a lot about the Bible, and I was saying, brother, it seems like every chapter, David's life and situation never gets better. Like, he is always having kid problems and women problems and money problems and government problems and work issues. Like, people are coming after him. His own kid's trying to kill him. He's having to bury one of his kids. Solomon's off the track. Like, we're having all of these issues with David, every chapter. But at the same time, the chapter ends with how great is my God. It's very relevant to life. Right now, if you go, hey, Hunter, tell me the good and the bad, I could give you a little bit of both. Is everything perfect, Hunter? Absolutely not. How much time you got? I got kids, I got a wife, I got bills. I can talk to you about the good and the bad, right? So David's psalm is, I'm gonna tell you a little bit of the bad, but I'm gonna always end with the good, right? That is what we see in psalms. But when it comes to a close walk with God, David is a beautiful example. If you know anything about David, 
David fell and he sinned and he made a lot of poor decisions in his life. But scripture will even tell us that David was a man after God's own heart. In so many ways of looking at scripture, David is the Paul of the Old Testament. Like when you study faith, when you study strength, when you study prayer, when you study dependence, like everything is going to find this trickle effect back to David. He is a great example of what it means to love God and want to follow him. So how can we follow his example, his words, and the glory of God's power in these, verse, these nine verses in Psalms 8? I want you to look at verse 1. I told you to highlight. I think verse 1 is one of those verses that we just read and we pass by. God's great and we just keep moving, but I want you just to look at it. For my kiddos... I want you to look at verse 1. Kids, will you highlight that verse for me? How big is God? O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is your name in all of the earth, right? Amen. But I want you to hang on this part. How great is my God who has set your glory above the heaven. So David starts off these nine verses. Remember who David is. He is king. He is rich, and he is wealthy, and he is powerful. He is prestige, and he starts his verse off with nothing in life compares to how great God is. And what does he say? He says, God is above the heavens. I want you just to take a second. Take a second. If you can imagine heaven, we said this quote a few months ago. If you can imagine heaven, if you can close your eyes, and I said, I want you to imagine that what perfection is going to look like, what glory is going to look like, what eternity is going to look like. If you go, Hunter, I'm closing my eyes, and I got a good picture of it. No, 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 you have done it an injustice. Why? Because our minds, our imagination can't come close to explaining the unexplainable, right? It's impossible. I want you to follow me here. In Genesis 1, what is God's word says? It says he created the man. He created insects. He created the birds. He created animals. He created land. He created the dirt. He created the seas. He created life. And he created heaven. What does David start with? God, you are the one who not only created heaven, you are above the heavens. God is a gazillion. I kept thinking about this. My son made this comment about money. He says, man, if I had three wishes, you know what I would ask for, Dad? I go, what, little man? He goes, I'd ask for a a gazillion dollars. You ever had that? Any of you guys got a gazillion dollars? I looked up. I go, man, what is a gazillion? It's very fascinating. It is a number that exists but cannot be explained or written. So how does it exist? And so what the dictionary has said is we are giving evidence that it exists. There is a number that will get to that point. I just don't know how to write it down. Like a pencil does not have enough lead. A paper does not have enough room. But there is a number out there. I don't know what it looks like. I've never held it. I've never seen it. I don't even know how to write it down. The vocabulary does not exist for you to explain it, but it exists. That's what God is. God is a gazillion. Our minds cannot fathom heaven, cannot fathom the unthinkable perfection of glory. And what has David said? He says, you're above that. Hang with me. He goes, you know the dirt, the soil, 
You created it. You know the animals that walk? Have you ever looked at an animal and been like, man, these are crazy creatures. Have you ever looked at it and said, man, he created those. He created man. He created woman, baby, child, reproduction, the air that you breathe, the trees that you see, the sea that you swim in. You created that. And then you created heaven. A thing that I can't even talk about. I can't even explain. I can't even write it down. He goes, man, you're above that. I don't even know what to call that. I don't even know if the word exists. And David goes, man, you're above the unthinkable. Isn't that awesome? David starts his psalm, humble king in reverence to who he is in the light of who the one true king is. Wouldn't it be amazing if every leader was like this? Please please don't miss it. We talk about it almost every week on Wednesday night. This isn't some peasant. This isn't the poor like, hey, one day I'm going to get my shot. Everybody's hard on me and I never get my own. No girl says yes, but one day, no, 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 no. Every girl has said yes. He has more money than you. He has more stuff than you. And what does he say? Man, God, there is nothing that exists that's greater than him. Wouldn't it be amazing? Can you imagine that press conference? Can you imagine if our president stood up? And I'm not talking, this is not a shot against Biden, any of them. Can you imagine if any president got up and said, hey guys, before I take any questions, man, glory be to God. I woke up this morning just praising Jesus' name. Can you just imagine that thought? Can you imagine if our coaches were that way? Take a knee, and they're just pouring Jesus into them. Can you imagine if our governors and our mayors and our CEOs and our leaders and our bosses started the day with staff meetings and going, hey guys, before we go around the table, let's just praise God and how big he is in the light of how small we are. Aren't we precious in his sight? You ever heard that language? Man, this is a king. We're not even talking about city mayor, city governor. We're not talking about president of the U.S. We're talking king. And he starts off his psalms and says, man, oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all of the earth who has set your glory above the heavens. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you are a leader, if you are a boss, if you own your own business, if you are in government, do you start your day off with that? Teachers, do you look at your kids and go, hey, before you turn to page 102, chapter 7, man, praise Jesus. Man, David the king who says, man, start your conversation off that way. In verse 2, it says, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. Because your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. What we see in God, the one who created the soil to above the heavens, he uses the small, he uses the weak to show how big he is. Jesus himself would recount these words from Psalms 8. You don't have to flip, just listen to me. In Psalms 21, verse 14, Jesus says, 
Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who brought and sold into the temple and overturned tables of all the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer. You have made it the house of dens. Keep going with me. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, the children saying, they were indignant and they said to him, do you hear what they are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. And you know, some of the greatest prayers and encouragements of God that I've ever heard have come from children. Man, I remember being at this altar with Taylor and my kid and others just, just crying over what God was doing in their life that I'll never forget. Man, I have heard wonderful sermons from men who are a million times smarter than me that haven't touched my four-year-old's prayer for how good Jesus is. And this is why we see in Scripture, God continued to use fishermen and the poor and the uneducated and the sick and broken and country boys from backwoods of Tennessee to proclaim his gospel. And you look at this and you go, well, wait a minute, Hunter. David is none of those things. You just told me that David had more than me. And David's not a mayor. He's a king. Like, so how is David any example of these? How does this apply to my life? David was rich. He was prestigious, he was powerful, but he made himself poor and humble with understanding how big God is and how small he was. David was king, hear me, and he spoke as if he wasn't. And if you got a pen, write it down. He was king, but he spoke as if he wasn't. I love verse three and four. Just hear these words. The king speak. When I consider your heavens, when I think about that, when my mind even tries to go there, the works of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you've ordained, when I think about all of that stuff, when I try to wrap my mind around glory and heaven and perfection and eternity, when I try to even think about a gazillion and what it looks like, he goes, man, what is man that you are mindful of him? What is man that you are mindful of him? Matthew, just hear me again. Matthew 18 says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, Surely I say to you, Unless you are converted and become as a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself, who is king, but realizes he's not, as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, whoever receives one of these little child is like, is in this my name, receives me. Are you humble, church? In the richest country in the world who has everything at its fingertips, who is king in your life? Who is king in your life? And in all of your trouble and all of your sorrow and all of your conflict and all of your pride and all of your selfishness, who is king in your life? I want to read it to you one more time. That's how much I love it. Verses three and four. I want you to imagine David out on his balcony of his kingdom, his mansion, 
him looking out at all the people that he's over, all the things that he's done, all the things that he's built, all the people that report to him. I just want you to think of this man at the highest peak of prestige looking out into the universe. And he says, man, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? What is man that you are mindful of him? I was reading this story about the late Teddy Roosevelt, who was well known as a, um, a man's man, a leader um, in government, and politics, and war, and battle, and all of those things. And he was over thousands of people in his lifetime. And there was a story what he would do with all of these people that were up and coming and all of these people that were under his reign and had people under them, these up and coming leaders on the battlefield and politics. There's a story that he would take all of these men, these up and coming emerging leaders, he would take them into fields. And he'd take them in the fields and he'd spend one, two, three hours with them just counting the stars. And, and let's say it was Philip here. And he takes Philip out and he goes, Philip, I want you to take a minute. I want you to take 30 minutes and just see how many stars you can count. Philip would count one, two, three, four, five, six, and it would never end, right? And he's like, I'm going to see if I can count more than you. And they'd spend time together and they'd point out what's the most beautiful. Do you see a shooting star? Where's the moon? Do you see the little dipper? And they'd spend there just talking about how big life is. And he said, at the moment where their mind was so racked in how big the universe is, he would look at that leader and say, now that we are small enough, I think we're ready for bed. Today, in this world, with all that's at our fingertips, how we've evolved in intellect, there are eight confirmed planets that we know of in a galaxy, in a galaxy to believe to be endless. Endless moon, endless stars, endless planets, endless moons, endless suns, endless solar systems, and the smartest people we know, we know of eight. And this group that knows of just eight in an endless existence, those people have the audacity to tell people there is no God. And when you struggle, when you fear, when you doubt, when the non-believer whispers in your ear that this is foolishness and this is just fairy tales, when you have become sick, when your marriage is not working, when you believe, where is God? Do not listen to man. Look at the stars. Be humble, childlike, like a king. Look at verse five. David continues and he says, for you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and you have crowned him with honor. You know, for me, um, and I get the conversation and I get the statements and I get the scripture that's connected to them, but for me, it never sits well with me when people in religious circles make the statements of how insignificant we are. Like, I understand fully um, that he's the reason for the season. I usually teach on that at Christmas. And I get the attempt to be humble. And I understand that concerning the scripture, like, we are specks. We are nothing. We are worthless creatures, hear me, in comparison to who God is. Like, I understand all of those things. I understand that we are unworthy. I understand that we are in need of a savior. I am understanding that we are destined for hell. Amen, amen, am, amen. 
But when we decrease our value, we decrease what he came for. We decrease the cross. Like if saved, we are a child of God. If saved, we have been made in his image. If saved, we are chosen. If saved, heaven was made for me. Like, do you understand? There should be moments in our faith and our assurance and all of our confidence that God exists and our love for Scripture that we look at the heavens and we go, do you see all of those stars, all of that galaxy? Like, he loves me more than all of that. All of those things that I can't even explain or fathom or the vocabulary to show you he loves me more than all of it. I am not nothing. Jesus came back for something. Like when I die, it is not a moment where I am cowering before a creator. I'm running across a field to a father. And David has this moment where he can't grasp it, right? You hear me? Like he can't understand it. He knows his sin. Like he sees his sin. He knows the conviction. He understands that I am not worthy, that God's forgiveness, that is something that I can't obtain. This is not something I can buy my way out of. How can he love me, right? What is man that you are mindful of him? We are children. We are special. We are loved. I want you to think about this illustration. You know, for my daughter, Lennon, um, there will be a moment, <clears throat> there will be a moment where she fully realizes what it took to get her, right? So right now, we're all the same. And she doesn't fully understand China, and she didn't understand how many zeros came in that bill, and she didn't understand how long the flight was or what it took to get her, the years that it took to pray and pay for and to plan. She has no idea. But there will be a day where she gets it, right? And there will be a day for my daughter that she looks at everybody else and she says, you know what? I'm not one of you. And I don't belong. And I don't know if I'm worthy. Am I a Jones? And she's gonna feel less than. And that is where her father will step in and spend his entire life telling her that she was worth every penny of it. That she was worth every second of it. That I would have traveled the world ten times over to bring her home. That she was worth it all. That she is not worthless, that she's valuable to me. So like I said, I understand. I understand in the grand scheme of things, compared to God, we are nothing. We are insignificant We are sinful, we are specks, we are grasps of the wind, right? But God says, man, I sent my son because I am glorious, I'm amazing, I am graceful, but because you are valuable to me, because I love you, because I chose you, because I created you. You are my children. I would have done it again. It says, you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the fields, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea that pass through the pass of the sea. You know, in those three verses, we see something very powerful. We see the promise of the garden in Genesis, but we also see the prophecy and glory in Revelation. The truth is, in 2021, where we sit now, we are not in control or have the authority of all things that are under us. 
People do not sit subject to our authority like we read in the garden. If you want to try this example out, go jump into a lion's cage at the zoo and see if it bows to you, right? But one thing that we'll see is that one day we will reign once again like Adam and Eve did in the garden with our Father in heaven. I want you to see this. Flipping your Bibles to Hebrews 2. Kids, you're still with us, so turn your Bibles. Hebrews 2. I want you to see it. Because not only is this my word, I want you to see that that Paul says the same thing. Paul understands that life has changed. Look at Hebrews 2, 5 through 9. I want you to see the words. Paul would also quote Psalms 8 as he says in verse 5, for he has not put the world to come for which we speak in subjection to angels, but when testified in a certain place saying this, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and you have set over the works of your hands and you have put the things in subjection under his feet. Psalms 8, right? Paul says this, For in that he puts all things in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. Hang on it. But now we do not yet see all things under him. But we see Jesus. But who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Crowned with glory and honor. That by he by grace of God might taste death for everyone. For you and I to have something to regain strength Jesus Christ, his son, took on weakness of the cross. And what we see is the unthinkable, perfect heaven and glory, the one who made us out of desire and love. He stayed with us when we abandoned him. He created heaven for us, sent his son to die for us. And David has this moment where he says, O Lord, O Lord, Lord," verse 9, how excellent is your name in all of the earth. As we close here in prayer, who is king in your life? Go back to Psalms. Who is king in your life? I want you to see how simple these nine verses are, how powerful these nine verses are, how applicable these nine verses are. When you see God in all of his glory and how huge he is, what was done for you, the value on your soul, man, everything else looks small. Oh Lord, oh Lord, how excellent is your name in all of the earth, who has set your glory above the heavens, reading all nine and praying. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I stare out, when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, all that you've done, the moon, the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? How am I valuable, right? And the son of man that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands and you have put all things under his feet all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is your name in all of the earth. Before we pray, 
I'm just asking anyone, if your God is not the God of David, then you are not saved. If you read this and go, that is not how I view my father, that is not how I view my creator, that is not how I view my maker, then you do not know Jesus Christ. If you don't see your value and the price that was paid, when you don't look into the stars and see how big he is to how small you are, we are not born again. And I am praying here this morning, if you read those words, that's why I had my kids open them up. They were direct, they were straightforward, they were awesome. If this is something that you do not know but you desire to have in your heart, I pray that you drop to your knees and pray, God, save me. I have played church like the people in Jeremiah. I have a Bible. I sing your praise. But I don't look and see how big my God is. If that is you, God, humble me. Humble me. Help me make you king. Help me make you king. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your gospel. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your cross. We thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, I thank you for these nine verses that just show how small we are in the light of how big you remain. God, you are an amazing creator. You are a loving father. You are every star that you created at your fingertip in the blink of an eye. You are a gazillion. Lord, I pray that when I look out into the stars every single night, when I look into the skies, when I look into the trees, whatever it is that we see, I see your greatness. And the one who created every star of an endless galaxy is the one who created me. Because you desired me. Because you loved me. Because you chose me. Because you sent your son for me. Lord, I pray that that empowers and comfort and assures me to my very last day. In your precious name, the church says in harmony, amen. Amen.